0: There will be no Wednesday uh, service this week because of Thanksgiving. And so just to remind you so you don't show up and nobody's here. And also this is the last week for the collection of the Christmas child boxes. And uh, so they're going to be collected out in the foyer. And they'll be taken and then shipped out all over the world to, uh, to children. And so if you have a box, make sure that you bring it in. And uh, open your Bibles along with me to Leviticus 24. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and we thank you for your word and for your truth and the way you are able to speak to us in just magnificent ways, because it's not our ideas, it's not our purpose, it's not our direction, but it's yours that we have to be seeking after with all our heart. And it's your word that truly is a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. And so we pray, Father, that your your word would always lead us along the way of righteousness. And that we would walk and seek after you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength for no other reason than, to, to, than our desire to see people saved and come into the kingdom of God. And I give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You know, one of the things I wanted to share, and the Lord kind of put this on my heart to share, I wasn't sure whether I was going to do it or not. But, you know, every time I stand behind the pulpit to preach, I get nervous because I had such a fear of speaking in front of people. As a matter of fact, when I was a child in school and a teacher would call on me, I would just sit there and tears would come down my eyes because I couldn't talk. And the reason was is that I had uh, a severe learning disability. I couldn't read until I was in 8th grade. In fact, uh, I was always good in math, but I couldn't read until I was in 8th grade. And uh, so obviously, for instance, spelling was down the tube. I never, I would get like a 10 or a 5 on a spelling test. And so I used to bring my spelling workbook home. This is years ago. And they'd let me bring it home for a weekend. And my mother would write out and copy the entire spelling book so that she could go over the spelling words with me. And that's the only reason I ever got through through spelling. But back in those days, remember they used to go around the class and each child would read a chapter or a, or a paragraph and then they'd go to the next child Whenever it would come to me, I would just sit there and just tears coming down my face because I couldn't read. And the reason I'm sharing this is to show the faithfulness of God. Because when I was 10 years old, I made a promise to God. And I said, Lord, if you heal me, I promise I'll grow up and be a pastor, be a minister. And he healed me. I had a miraculous healing at 10 years old. And I never forgot that. But then as life went on, I really thought the fulfillment of me becoming a pastor was impossible because, you know, to use a, a generic slang term, I really thought I was dumb. I mean, I really did. But God is always faithful. And so he was able to take me, ha- having no idea how I would fulfill this calling, and take me through college and graduate school and postgraduate school and and, um, and I just praise God for it. But nevertheless, to this day, every time I stand up in front of people, I have those butterflies. Because after all these years, those memories come back. And you might be thinking, why is he sharing all that? Because I think it relates to what we're going to be looking at this morning. And that is that everything in God's word is to speak to us, is to encourage us, and to show us his faithfulness, and that he is able to do things even if it seems impossible to be done. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, the very fact that I'm standing here as your pastor is a miracle. It's a total miracle of God. And so therefore, I believe in miracles, and I believe that miracles are not just for me, but they're for anyone who's seeking after the Lord. And it might not be some woo-woo spectacular kind of thing. It could be something in your heart or in your mind, whatever it might be. But the Lord can work miracles if you trust in him. So we always have to keep in mind as we're studying the word is that um, it's not just information. This is not just information. Do you understand that? This is the word of God speaking to us individually. I mean, this is the word of god you ever think about that we use the term yeah the word of god this is the word of god of almighty god speaking to each one of us and so we have to seek god to reveal to us the meaning of his word when we're reading the bible talks about you know uh, meditating on the word of god and what that's speaking to us is you shouldn't just read it in some cursory way that it you know meditate on it what is it saying to me what is the lord trying to show me because the lord has a purpose as you as a believer making you mature in him and that is so that you would become his witness that you would be a light we're going to be talking about that this morning you would be a light to the world you know why because the bible tells us he is patient wishing for how many to perish none he doesn't want anyone to perish and therefore, we have the responsibility of being the light, to shine that light throughout the world, the truth, of what we have in God. I once was lost, am now saved. I am now saved. Do you understand that? You and I were perishing without any hope, and Jesus Christ came into this world, paid our debt, and gave us the sign seal and deposit of His holy spirit that we might have the dunamis in our cardiac, the fullness, the ability of God in our heart to do whatever he calls us to do. So don't, have, don't let anyone discourage you, and don't discourage yourself in the fact that God is able to work through you to do whatever he wants. Just let him. It's so awesome. Now, one of the first things we're going to be looking at today is that the law required the lamps of the holy place to be kept burning at all times. Why? Because it represents the fact that we are a light to the world. And so we must keep our lamps burning, being a light to the world at all times. And I'm going to share a few verses with you. And one is from Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. It says, let your, not someone else's, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven our light is for the purpose of people glorifying god getting saved coming to the saving knowledge of jesus christ and then in matthew six twenty three, it says if uh, therefore the light that is in you is darkness how great is that darkness and this is the reason the only thing we teach is the word of god this is the only pure light and so we have to understand that the light that we're to express is the truth of god to the world around us And it is his light. It's not ours. It comes from him alone. And I'm going to be sharing about the seven lamps, but just use our menorah as an example. I think a menorah is an awesome thing for uh, if anyone wanted to have one in their home. This one we actually uh, got in Israel. And the menorah has definite meaning to it. We're going to be talking about it in a moment. But the base, of course... This isn't solid gold, but if the the base, if it was solid gold, it represents the Lord. And, of course, the lamps, there are seven of them. These lampstands, there are seven of them that hold the lamps. And that represents the church. Seven always is the number of completion, okay? There are the letters to the seven churches. Jesus stood among the seven golden lampstands. So even though there's, there are many more than seven churches, seven represents the church as a whole. And the church is made up of people. And we're the lamps. But in order for that lamp to be lit, it has to be ignited by the Holy Spirit. And so when we're born again and filled with the Holy Spirit, our lamp shines. This is called a menorah, which means lampstands. And this is a nur, which is, the light stand. But it is the fire of God that gives us the ability to light the darkness. Now one of the things that's interesting is even though there are many branches to the lampstand, when the light's lit, it only gives off one light. And what that refers to and what it speaks to us is that even though you have churches of every kind all around, if they're Bible believing churches, there are many churches but there's only one God. There are many churches, but there's only one message. There's many churches, but there's only one purpose, and that is to share the truth of God to the world around us. Now, in Ephesians, if you want to turn to that, chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, go to verse 3. Ephesians 4 and verse 3. Endeavoring to keep the light or I'm sorry, in, in, in endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, listen to this there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. There's only one God. There's only one Holy Spirit. There's only one salvation. Now, we might have many branches of the church all around, and, and sometimes the churches are somewhat different, a little bit different, as long as they're standing on the truth of God's word. And that's a good thing, so the people can fit in and feel comfortable where they're called to. But the very purpose of the church is that the pure word, the pure pressed olive oil might be dispensed to the people that... The Holy Spirit would illuminate it and cause us to be His light, to shine throughout the world. It's just an amazing thing when you study God's Word. And um, it's interesting, too, but we're told in this portion, we're going to be reading it in just a moment. As the priests, were to tend the lamps. That's Pastor Frank Jr. and my responsibility. We have a resp- we're not priests, we're pastors. But our responsibility is to tend the lamps by offering the pure Word of God. It's not our responsibility to make you apply the Word of God. That's the Holy Spirit's responsibility and your willingness. Our responsibility is to just lay out the Word of God. Lay out the feast table before you. And then you take the Word of God, the bread of life, and you ingest it and allow the Holy Spirit to use it in you that you might be His witness everywhere you go. You know, um, it should never be any of our own ideas that we expound upon. Pastor Frank Jr. and I, it should always be his word that we expound upon because it's only God's word that has power. Otherwise, it's just our own thoughts and our own ideas. That's the important thing. So if you go to Leviticus chapter 24... I'm sorry with my glasses, I have to keep putting them... I, I used to have, I had a pair of preaching glasses. you know what preaching glasses are for those of you that wear bifocals? The bifocal was so I could read, and then I could look up and see everyone. And all of a sudden, it must be because I'm getting older, they, they just don't work. They just, they're, they're just off. And so I have my reading glasses, my good prescription reading glasses, but then when I put them on, I look up and I can't see you. So it's really pretty frustrating. Just to let you know why I'm doing all that up and down. Here. Okay. Um, Leviticus 24, starting with verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel that they bring to you pure oil, pressed alls for the light, to make the, lamp, to make the lamps burn continually outside the veil of the testimony in the tabernacle of meetings. Aaron shall be in charge of it from evening until morning before the Lord continually. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. He shall be in charge of the lamp on the pure gold lampstand before the Lord continually. Now, it's interesting, if you notice, that the lamps were of pure gold. The lamps were of pure gold. And we have to realize that gold always represents purity before the Lord. And so not only the light, but the vessel should also be made pure before the Lord. And that's what gold represents, the refining of gold. And um, in the same sense, we have to realize that we aren't the light, but we are filled with the light. We are filled with light that comes from God. We're simply the lampholder, but the Holy Spirit is the light that is shown to those around us. Now, we have to realize that the people were to provide the the pure and pressed oil for God's use. But it was the Spirit and only the Spirit that could give light or ignition to that pure oil. And whenever we take credit for anything we're doing, we're taking the credit from the Lord and the light that we're shining is not the pure light of God. It's our own light. It's only what God does, not what we do, that has any benefit or any help on other people. And that's the reason whenever we're witnessing to other people, we shouldn't say, well, I'll tell you what, since I've been saved, I've become the greatest person in the world. In fact, I don't know anyone who's as humble and wonderful as I am. And I know we don't actually say that, but oftentimes that is the testimony of people. I mean, our testimony should be, I'm a wretched sinner saved by grace. God, in his love and his mercy, he reached down and he saved my wretched heart. And the only reason that I can stand before him is because of his agape love, because of the Holy Spirit that dwells within me, his free gift. That's the only reason I can claim to be a a child of God, not because of anything I've done. I think we sang that song this morning, but what he has done, what he has done in us and through us. And so you and I are to offer the Lord a pure heart. Now, we're not talking about perfection. You know, people think, what are you saying? We have to become perfect before we can use of, be used of God and shine the light of God? No, no, I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about being made perfect. Well, well, what do you mean? It means confession and repentance. If we confess our sin, 1 John 1, 9, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And what does he do? purify us from all unrighteousness so i'm not pure because well i'm just a wonderful guy i don't know anyone who's as holy as i am the only reason i can claim any kind of perfection is because of him he purifies me when i'm continually before him in confession and repentance what a beautiful thing it is we are imperfect vessels but he's perfect and he's able to cause his perfect light to shine through us if we're only willing. Now, notice that the lampstand was to be made of pure gold. You know, in in Revelation uh, chapter 3 and verse 18, it says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire, that you may be rich. It is his gold that we purchase from him. It's refined by him. And he alone is the one that allows us to be his light into the world. And all we have to do is say, God, forgive me, a sinner. Come and dwell within my heart and use me to minister to others. That's it. He does it. It's not some complicated thing. Well, you know, before you get saved, you have to go through 25 degrees of penance, and you have to go through catechism classes, and you have to read the Bible through three times, standing on your head. And then possibly you might... That's not the way it is. All we do is we cry out to God, forgive me, a sinner. And that's it. You think of the thieves on the cross. Jesus is dying on the cross as a propitiation, a vicarious propitiation for our sins. He's hanging there on the cross, and he has two thieves alongside of him. And the one thief starts, uh, you know, saying, rebuking things to Jesus... And the other thief says, look it, we're, we're dying because... We, I'm putting it in my own words. He said, we're dying because we deserve it. We're sinners. But this man did nothing wrong. Then he turned to Jesus and he said, remember me when you come into kingdom, into your kingdom. That's all he said. He didn't go through all kinds of penance and all kinds of rituals and this and that. He just said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, this very day you'll be with me in paradise. Wow. That's the love of God in Christ Jesus. It's not complicated. It's very simple. Because we have to understand fire either purifies or devours. It purifies the pure heart, but it devours the heart of flesh. And so if we go before the Lord and say, Lord, man, just purify me. I have a heart that desires to come after you. But, Lord, I've got so many things in my flesh, so many things around me that, that are just so much hay, straw, and stubble that need to be burned away. Come, Lord, and, and, and sanctify me with your fire from heaven. And he will. But if you have a heart of flesh and you're saying, well, God, you're lucky to have me. Here I am. Well, why don't you just fill me and use me? Well, you're going to be consumed because you have a heart of flesh everything has to point back to jesus if it wasn't for jesus christ none of us would be going to heaven we owed a debt remember the song we could not pay and he paid a debt he did not owe and that's the reason we can be so thankful to the lord in first peter if you want to turn there chapter one first peter chapter one and go to verse seven you know, it's, it's so funny. People sometimes have said to me, you know, because you do your systematic expositional preaching, which means going right through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, when you're in the Old Testament, don't people miss out on the New Testament? Well, you have to understand the Old Testament was just prophesying what was going to happen in the New Testament. And that's why when we're teaching, Pastor Frank and I, we go back and forth. Why? Because that's it, the only way you can do it. It's one Bible. We shouldn't say Old Testament, New Testament, it's the Bible that's it in first peter chapter 1 verse 7 it says but the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire may be found to praise honor and glory at the revelation of jesus christ whom having not seen you love Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Hallelujah. Wow. You and I believe in someone we've never seen. But it doesn't mean we don't know him and we haven't experienced him. If you're born again and Jesus is within your heart, your cardiac, if he's in your inner man, You know him. You've heard his voice. You've felt his direction in life. You know him. But you haven't seen him yet. But here's the blessed hope. The glorious appearing of our Lord, God, and Savior, Jesus Christ. One day we will see him. One day we will see him face to face, Scripture tells us. Oh, what a glorious day it will be when we all get to heaven. What a glorious day it will be. Can you imagine one day that trumps going to sound, whatever that is, and the dead in Christ will rise first and be their glorified bodies will be reunited with their soul and spirit, which is coming from heaven, says Jesus will bring the dead with him, but then the dead in Christ rise first. And so that's where you have Jesus brings their soul and spirit that have been with him, the essence of who we are, our personality, then their glorified bodies to meet the Lord in the air, then we who are left and still alive, maybe you and I right now, shall be caught up together. We'll be changed, 1 Corinthians 15, we'll be changed and caught up together to meet him in the air, and there we shall be with the Lord forevermore. I can't imagine. You know, sometimes people say, I can't wait to get to heaven and see my grandma and grandpa, and see my aunt and uncle, see my good friend here. good friend." Well, good for you. But when I get to heaven, I'm just going to be looking at Jesus, really. I mean, can you imagine? You know, hey, Joe. Oh, just a minute, Jesus, you know. Are you kidding me? When we get to heaven, we're going to be blown, blown away because we're going to see the glorified, resurrected Jesus Christ that we read about in the book of Revelation. Unbelievable. It's going to be fantastic. Now, moving on to verses 5 through 9 of chapter 24 of, Levit- of Leviticus. And you shall take fine flour and bake 12 cakes with it, two-tenths of an ephah. That's approximately four pounds. It's a pretty big loaf of bread, approximately four pounds. "...shall be in each cake, and you shall set them in two rows, six in a row, on uh, the pure gold table before the Lord." Remember the pure gold, the purity before the Lord. "...and you shall put pure frankincense on each row, that it may be on the bread for a memorial, an offering made by fire to the Lord. Every Sabbath he shall set in order before the Lord continually, being taken from the children of Israel by an everlasting covenant. And it shall be for Aaron and his sons, and they shall eat it in a holy place, for it is most holy to him uh, from the offerings uh, of the Lord made by fire by a perpetual statute. Now, notice what was on this pure bowling table. Bread covered with frankincense. It wasn't pastries, it wasn't your favorite donut, it wasn't cheesecake, it was bread. It wasn't, you know, a variety of breads. Well, we have the, your pita bread choice, and we have your Frank's favorite Columbus bread choice, and, you know, and we have all these, it was, just, it was just bread. And you know why? Because the Word of God is simple. And the Word of God is to be presented simple, simply. And so people who go to churches, because, boy, we want to hear the Word of God all glamored up. We want to have all kinds of pastries and all these feel-good messages to make us, you know. I actually talked to a guy one time. and He said, yeah, he said, I used to go to this one church, and and it was all right. You know, the pastor preached preached from the Word of God. It was okay, but I just stopped going there because every time I went, I was convicted. I'm serious. I'm not joking. And I'm looking at him, and I'm thinking, you know what do you mean you <laughs> hopefully we are but understand conviction should never be a negative thing criticism and ridicule is negative conviction isn't because we have to understand guilt comes from satan you know what guilt is you're no good you're never going to be any good you really screwed up this time you're never going to have any victory over this you're a bad person that's guilt that's from satan here's conviction comes from jesus christ conviction is my child what you did was wrong confess and repent and everything will be right that's conviction so when i'm studying the word of god and preparing the message i can't tell you how convicted i am over and over again how the Lord's speaking to my heart and it's only fair that i share that conviction with you right but you understand my point conviction is a good thing i mean think about this Let's say you're taking a calculus course, and the professor gets up there and says, Well, you're taking one of the hardest math courses that this institution has to offer. But here's the thing that'll kind of make you happy I'm not going to make any corrections. Whatever you do is fine. I'm not going to tell you anything that you're doing wrong. It's just, it's, we're just going to get together and have fun. Well, it might be a fun class, but when you walk out of there, you know nothing about calculus. How do you learn? Because he says, these are the rules, and this answer is wrong. Now, I'm not telling you you're stupid or dumb. I'm just saying, here's how you have to do it. And if you do it this way, you'll be right. That's what conviction is. That's what we need to be seeking the Lord for, to show us his way. God is so good. And we should not be going to church ever to feel good about ourselves, although church makes you feel good. But that's not the reason we go. We go to church for one reason, to worship the Lord. You know why we worship the Lord? He's worth it. We come before God, thank you, Jesus, for saving my wretched soul. And then we hear his word broken open. And remember, they said our hearts burned within us. And so we have to understand when we hear the word broken open, our hearts should burn within us because it's the Lord and his Holy Spirit that's speaking to us. And we have to always remember that Jesus is the bread of life, and he is the word of God. Did you know that? In the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, capital W in your Bible. It's the Logos. That's the word of God. It's Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word, capital W, was with God, and the Word, capital W, was God. That's Jesus Christ. Through him, all things were created. Nothing was created that wasn't created through him. You know the rest of that verse. And then, still in the Gospel of John, chapter 6 and verse 41, the Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. So in this chapter, he's telling us at the very beginning, number one, that he is the word of God. And he's also telling us the word of God is the bread. It's the bread of life that feeds us. And again, in the Gospel of John, chapter six, this time in verse fifty-one, he says, "I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give, shall the, the, the bread I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world." Jesus died on the cross. The bread of life, the word of God, died on the cross that we might consume his word and his truth and his love and live forever. You know, people say, do you believe in hell? Absolutely. Because the reality is, how could I believe in heaven if there wasn't a hell? If there's no hell, what's the distinction? What's the choice? Of course there's a heaven and of course there's a hell. But the fact of the matter is, no one is in hell because they were forced to go there. Anyone who is in hell is because they refuse to accept the free gift of Jesus Christ. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. From what? Sin and death. To go and to be with the Lord forever and ever. Such an amazing thing. Now, so Jesus is the bread of life come down from heaven. But the vessel that receives this bread, you and I, we have to be willing... And able to use it and to allow it to nourish us. You know what I'm saying? You know, taking after my son, kind of joking around. I would like to get up and first thing in the morning have a cup of coffee and a Twinkie. And for lunch, I would like to have a glass of chocolate milk and two Twinkies. And for supper, I would like to have a nice cup of coffee and a half a cheesecake. But if I did that, I would be very malnourished and very sick. The reality is that some of the things, you know, I, I've never heard anyone saying, you know what, I can't wait to get home tonight, we're having asparagus. I mean, some of you might be that way, you're loony enough. But anyway, but the point I'm getting at, we don't, we don't say that. We say, I can't wait to get home tonight because we're having, you know, roast chicken. It's always the thing that we like. But some of these things that we don't get all excited about are very important for our proper nutrition in order to keep our bodies healthy you see what i'm saying and so when we take in the word of god there might be some things that we read that are hard but the lord is going to use it in order to strengthen us and to keep us strong in him um, in fact I, I i wrote this down i think this is is interesting you can't look at the bible as just another book It contains the word of life. In the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verses 66 through 69, for uh, for that time, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Remember this portion? Uh, Then Jesus said to the 12, his 12 disciples, his 12 apostles, do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Why? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of God. Where else are we going to go? He's the only one, the Word of God. You know, he's the one who has eternal life to offer to us by simply confessing our sins. One of the things that I find interesting is there is one loaf for every tribe. And you know what that speaks to us is there is bread enough for every one of us. There's bread enough for everyone. Not just for this one or that one. There's enough bread for everyone. It's kind of like Jesus. Remember when he fed the 5,000 and fed the 4,000? There wasn't enough bread, but there was enough bread. You had the, you know, the boy who brought his little lunch with him, you know, fish and bread. And he's thinking to himself, look at all these suckers around here. They didn't bring anything to eat. And here I am, this little kid, and I've got my two fish and my, my, my loaf of bread, and my five loaves of bread. <laughs> and then Jesus said to him, hey, kid, Give me your fish and your loaves of bread. Now he probably didn't say it that way. But he said, here, bring your fish and loaves up here. And what happened? Did people have enough to eat? How many basketfuls did they take up that were left over? There's always enough bread. When you dig into the word of God, it will feed you. It will nourish you. Now, the thing we have to see here as well that I think is also important is notice that every Sabbath the bread was changed. They didn't leave the same bread there for four months. Every Sabbath, that bread was taken, eaten by the priest, and new bread was laid out. And how does that apply? It applies to the fact that Pastor Frank Jr. and I, we do not have a rotation of sermons that we do every four years. Well, it's time to go back to my... No, no. We present new bread every week. Do you know, if you you were a pastor, you get all this literature in the mail in these magazines... There's a um, an advertisement that I get quite often, and it says, Pastor starter for the busy pastor. What? <laughs> you know, I'm going to buy outlines of a message? How am I hearing from the Lord? You know, sermon starters for the busy pastor? Well, I'll tell you what, if a pastor is not able to spend time working on a message to present to the people... He, he's he's messed up. He, he's too busy doing other things that he shouldn't be doing. He should be working on the Word of God. Fresh manna has to be presented every week, every Sabbath. And just as the bread uh, in the holy place, it was, remember, it said, take incense and put over it. Frankincense, which is the kind of incense he said, sprinkle that over it. Now, it's interesting, if you read Revelation chapter 8, verses 3 through 4... It tells us incense is the prayers of the saints. So, frankincense or incense always represents prayer, which was laid upon the bread of life. And what I take from that, for Pastor Frank Jr. and I, what I take from that is if you're not praying all through your sermon preparation, and you're not praying over your sermon before you present it to the people, your teaching before you present it to the people, then it's nothing more than presenting your own ideas. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to present any of my... If I presented all my own ideas, you guys would be so messed up. <laughs> it's the Word of God. And you know, this is where I'm, I'm concluding with this. Um, if you're really studying the Word of God, one of, the, one of the ways you'll know that you're really studying the Word of God and allowing it to speak to, to you is you'll change. There are things that I believed and taught when I first went into the ministry, that I think back on it and I'm embarrassed. Because I was following you know some doctrinal teaching or whatever. and And by the way, that's one of the important things as far as the Word of God. It's just like food. If you had food on the table, a good nourishing meal sitting on the table before you, and you just went you know, somehow you're absorbing it through your thought, just looking at the food. It does you no good. You're not going to be nourished. You're going to become malnourished and, and sick. What do you have to do with the food? Eat it. And the same thing is true with the Word of God. If you just look at it, it means nothing. It has to be ingested into your, you know, your, your inner man. It has to be taken in. Because one of the things that proper nutrition does is it gives us the ability to fight off infection. And the point being, brothers and sisters, is there's nothing more dangerous to the Christian than false teaching. And there's all kinds of false teaching out there, more than I would even have time to ever expound on. There's all kinds of false teaching out there. So, how do you know if it's false teaching or not? The Word of God. The Bereans, that's where we got our name. The Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message, Paul's preaching, with all eagerness, but daily examined the Scriptures to see if what Paul was saying was true. We need to examine the Scriptures. And just because, you know, I'm your pastor and I'm old and know things, it doesn't mean that everything I say you just take and say, oh, okay, the pastor said that, that's it. No, I want you to know it's the Word of God because my purpose is to expound the Word of God to you, but it is your responsibility to receive it and allow the Holy Spirit to apply it to your life that you become a light into this world. We have to understand that God's Word, my friends, is the most precious gift that He's ever given to man. It's not the book. You know, people think, oh, the Bible... I mean, I could take this and throw it in the fire, and it doesn't mean anything. I'm not going to go to hell or anything like that. When it talks about the Word of God, it's what's in it. It's the message. And so we need to be willing to take time to study the Word of God. I mean, do we have a Bible reading program? Do we go through the Bible? Is the only time you look at the Bible when you come to church... Well, if that's so, you're gonna be a very malnourished and very weak believer who is going to be able to be taken as a slave here and there by some false teaching or narrative. We need to know the word of God for ourselves. Nothing is a greater blessing to me, and I don't want to embarrass anyone, so I won't say any names or anything. Then sometimes, you know, maybe doing some work around here and I have a chance to be with uh, you know, another believer and we're talking about the Bible and this and that and and this happens all the time in our Wednesday Bible study. And people say things, and I'm like, wow. And I write it down you know, so I can use it in a message and take credit for it. But um, you know what I'm saying? I'm listening to other people in the church, and they're sharing things from Scripture. that's like, wow to me. That means they're studying the Word of God. And so I'm not trying to make you feel guilty, right? I'm trying to bring what? Conviction. That you need to be studying the word of God. is the best book you'll ever read. It's the best book you'll ever read. And every page is filled with encouragement from the Lord. So my friends, that's the whole idea of the menorah and the manna and how it applies to us as believers. Father in heaven, we come before you in Jesus Yeshua's name and how we thank you for your word and for your truth and the way you're able to take this magnificent truth and apply it to our hearts and apply it to our lives that we truly might be a light to the world. We might truly be able to lead others into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And Father, I pray that you would cause your blessing to fall upon each one who is here and that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit and give them strength throughout this week to be your witness. And Lord, put a conviction on their heart to have a love for your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you, my dear friends.